Hello. Hello. Yeah. Can you hear me, ma? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Thank you. Yes, I can, ma. There. Thank you very much. Very good. Yeah. Hello, friends. My name is Olaunike Kundukonua, and I am your host on this podcast that Life Happens. I really do appreciate your love, support, and feedback from all of my other episodes. Thank you for sticking with me. Thank you so, so much. Yes, we had a beautiful section and time last year. And this year, we're sure going to be having another amazing section together. Yeah, it's the year 2021. <laughs> Cheers to doing great things. And yes, we will achieve beautiful results together in this new year. It's really nice to be back here again, to be back on the podcast Tag Life Happens. So I have a guest on today's episode of Life Happen Podcast. Oh, well, it is nice that my listeners send in feedbacks and can always request for topics that are relatable and interesting. So our topic for today is, mm, I'm sure some of my listeners are trying to guess. Okay, okay, okay. We will be talking about motherhood. And the name of my guest is Dr. Augusta Yetunde Olaore. Oh, well, you'll be wondering why I have that name. She's a mother, a teacher, a mentor, a role model to many of us, a beautiful wife to one man, yeah, a mother to many nations. She's an amazing human. So, Ma, can you do some little introduction of yourself again, please? Thank you. Wow, thank you so much, Ibukundari. I don't think I have anything more to add to that very kind um, introduction that you have given me. I will just add that I am passionate about helping people thrive in their relationships and not just to thrive, but to have satisfying relationships in whatever area of their life whether it is in a close romantic relationship or a marital relationship or between family or friends Mm. you know and even at work so relationship health is my passion and that is what I do and I'm so thankful Mm. that I can be on this podcast to talk about motherhood which is a very very important relationship thank you very much yes thank you so much ma for honoring my invitation to be a guest on life happen podcast oh 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 i'm so excited so to the business of the day hi and my guests will be discussing about motherhood i know i said motherhood so be in for some amazing section now I have some questions here for you, and I would start. Yes, ma, my first question. What does the term motherhood mean to you, ma? Motherhood. Motherhood, for me, personally, I look at it from the place of birthing, because it's when you give birth to a human being that you become the mother to that person. So, motherhood to me is about birthing people 
and helping people to birth who they were created to be and to nurture that. So it starts from birthing and of course mm-hmm. it then goes on to nurturing. Um, yeah, so okay. motherhood is not just about bringing people into the world, it is nurturing people while they are in the world. Yes. So, moving on to the next question. Can you hear me, Ma? Yes, I can hear you well. Do you have any secret tips to having a beautiful motherhood process? Um, looking back at my life, um, having been a biological mother for, I would say, 32 plus years. Wow. Um, wow. <clears throat> yes, um, I really give thanks to God. And mm. I will say that what has, what the summary of my experience is entering into a place of rest mm. and trust mm. in God. I did not start enjoying my motherhood until that time when I was able to get into a place of rest because motherhood is a, you know, just as it is biologically, mm-hmm. it is painful that nobody deceive anybody, you know, <laughs> whether it is by, um, you know, uh, pushing the baby out yourself or through cesarean section, either way, pain is involved in mothering, in motherhood. You know, and I'm telling you, I went through pain. Uh, But I would say that what made it a beautiful experience for me was that time in my life when I was able to enter into restfulness and trust Mm -hmm. in God concerning Mm -hmm. my children Mm -hmm. that I started to enjoy mother, being a mother. You know, as, as we go on, I will be very real with you. It's not all the time that you like your children. Yes, mm. you are commanded mm. to love them. But yeah. there are times that you look at them and it is like, what is what? this? Where did this come from? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, so I would say that um, you know, it is, you know, that's what has made motherhood beautiful for me. Being able mm. to enter into that place of restfulness in wow. God concerning my children. Amazing, amazing, amazing. That was superb. So, okay, the third question. Please, Ma, how were you able to cope with raising just boys? And you broke the but, protocols of having to raise amazing sons of God. I'll go on. And this same method you apply in the training of a girl child, like, how were you able to just do it? Like, to me, I feel like there's some magic that you you pulled out or something, like... Still a mystery to me, can you? <laughs> well, um, I would I would say that you are very right that I have amazing four male children. They are amazing. Every single one of them. You are very right about that. Um, but how did that happen? As 
mothers will declare and let you know there is no secret one size fits all for raising children because what works for one does not necessarily work for the other true you know and there are just so many different dimensions so um being able to transfer what one does with boys to what happens with girls i really can't tell because (laughs) my life is i've not had the privilege to compare when it comes to biological but i Mm. do have i do have what i call um children of my heart um who came to us by social engagement and interestingly they are all girls you know (laughs) so even though they are not biological you know but they're children of my heart and um i think that even though the dynamics are different i i didn't get to change their diapers i didn't get to you know see them when they were six months old or three months and you know growing Mm -hmm. up i I encountered my daughters all of them already grown Mm. but when it comes to nurturing you know and um nurturing them uh some of those principles do transfer over you know so when it comes to when it comes to secrets the magic um i would say in addition to the grace of god that um um i have and i had it is also about being real Mm. about being real my boys my boys know that their mother will give it to them the way it is i i Mm. i mean they know that there is nothing that they cannot talk to me about Wow. Um, they you know so so just that being real even till now we i have two of them that are married um one of them is in a beautiful relationship and i still have a teenager you know there's hardly anything i mean and i'm telling you hardly anything that my boys cannot talk to me about wow. you know because i just what i know i let them know what I mm. don't know, I let them know that I don't know it. Let's find out together, you okay. know. And um, so no for me. They know my failures. So there is no pretense like I have it all together. You know, mm. sometimes what makes motherhood hard is that the parents or the adults are trying to prove a point that we know it all. Mm. I've had to apologize to my kids I've, when I got wow. it wrong. When wow. I got it wrong, I've had to say, I, I am sorry, I missed that. You know, and mm. it is all all part of training because if I, as the mother and the adult in their life, is not showing them, you know, how to say, I'm sorry, I missed it. Especially for boys, you know, uh, in the African setting, you know, it's always said that African men are always right because they are the king. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> they will never say sorry. You know, there are people who have grown up as men and they, they've not even been able to say I'm sorry or take responsibility for mm. what they have done and unfortunately because we have a world that you know especially in Africa that is pretty much male dominant we have politicians we have rulers 
who don't know how to say I'm sorry, who don't know how mm-hmm. to accept responsibilities for their mm-hmm. action. Yeah. You know, who who are too proud to mm-hmm. admit that they are wrong and we have all the mess that we have. Mm-hmm. I think it goes back to how they were raised, how they raised. were raised, how their mother, their father Treat raised them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, uh, one of those things that I know that helped me you know if you say anything magical is that i was very real and i am still very real um and i just help my children to feel comfortable in my presence because you know we'll talk some more about that because how you deal with a child's error or mistake determines how they deal with themselves their sense Mm -hmm. of themselves and how they relate to their world you know so yeah, we'll talk more about that in other questions, I think. All right. All right. Thank you, Uma. Okay, now, at some point in time, did you allow work or ministry affect the motherhood process? Do I allow it? Well, it has a tendency to allow it. And for me, as a young mother, yes, you know, um, it affected it at different times and not all positive because you know um i got married very young you know i'm saying this out public you know because when people see me they're like how come you know you look so young and you already have grandkids and all that you know um i I got married when i was 21 okay so yeah and i did not just get married at 21 i got married into a position that demanded a high level of maturity i got married in Mm. a pastor's wife so not Mm. only was i um uh the wife to a pastor and going to be a mother to my own children i suddenly became the mother of the church you know the mother of um at my little 21 year old self you know to people who are my grandmothers by age you know in terms of my mm-hmm. role and in terms of my role so that one was there and then i was still young and growing in my development even though i had graduated from the university but that was like mm-hmm. the beginning of my career you know <laughs> i still had more school ahead of me i still had self actualization yeah. so mm-hmm. and of course at that time you know when we got married there's nothing about waiting to have children it's like people are already counting the meter for you the day you have your wedding (laughs) people are already looking at calendar oh yeah nine months what's happening to that stomach in fact you know even part of the prayer is they will say that ah you know in by next year we will be hearing the sound of a baby oh or, you know, there's mm-hmm. a Yoruba one that will say, mm-hmm. what that says that the back mm-hmm. of the wife will not be long on the, on the mat before she gets pregnant, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so being a young, a young woman really impacted my motherhood, you know, in terms okay. of time. There was a time that I really did not have enough time for my kids because mm. I, I was so busy, you know, trying to be, discover who I was and balance everything out. So, mm. 
it is a real struggle you know and i'm not sure you will ever get over it because there's always that tug you know between <clears throat> um being emotionally present because that's the major thing it's not just about being physically present about being physically present yes you know there are mothers who have walked away like literally just packed their bags and left okay mm-hmm. um, yeah so being physically present but also being emotionally present you know work mm-hmm. can be so draining you know and i <laughs> at some point i was working as a preschool teacher preschool teacher that is like nursery teacher uh, with little children that at work i get so drained like i've given my best of course you have to be your best at work now you know yeah. because you don't want to get fired by the time i get home i don't even have anything left for my kids i am oh. so irritable i am so like just leave me alone mm. the tiniest thing that other people's kids will do and i will be smiling okay if my child should do it what do bye 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 you know <laughs> <laughs> i am ready to give them the backhand and the yelling you know yeah. that sort of thing so yeah so it is a challenge being emotionally present mm. um for your kids especially when you know you've had to deal with going to work wow and um yeah you really you really had an amazing like awesome experience like i am listening and i'm okay i hope my listeners are enjoying this too like i hope i'm getting, <laughs> getting to see that motherhood is actually a beautiful process and it's a beautiful thing to to experience so now the fifth question do you have any regrets whatsoever about this amazing thing called motherhood? Like, are there regrets? Yes, I do. Wow. <laughs> yes, I do. I, I mm-hmm. actually was expecting a yes. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, because, because life, like your podcast says, life happens. You know, there are certain things that we have no control over. True. And That's then true. we are also... And then we are also human and imperfect. Mm. And we are all in a lifelong learning process. So here I am um, at this age of my life and I look back and, you know, I see some things that I wish I did differently, mm. you know, but, yeah. you know, I, I, I thank God that the grace of God covered it, you know. Um, so I was I would just mention two of them that... One of the things that I regret was that I wish I was not so uptight, mm. you know, and, and yeah, uptight with my children, you know. As much as I, I um, was open and real with them, I was always on the edge because I've, I had that pressure to perform and not to be seen as as doing it wrong mm. and I, I did that at the expense of you know depriving my children sometimes of you know um, the kind of freedom that every child needs you know especially because they were mm-hmm. pastor's kids you know so what should have just happened and be allowed naturally for them I would be ah no so that they will not say the pastors you know and it's like these children 
they are children. They did not beg to be born to parents that are pastors. Exactly. A child, a child will be a child, you mm. know, and you don't stifle them. Mm. But for me, and once again, remember what I said, I was so young and, you know, lived in a society that your business is everybody's business. Mm. You know, whatever yeah. you are doing, everybody has their own story about it, mm. you know. And I didn't want to do anything that was going to affect our ministry negatively and all of that. So, yeah, that I wish I was more relaxed and I did not, you know, put that heavy coloring or bother of, mm-hmm. of, of, of my children, you know, that I was more relaxed in allowing them to, you know, just to be kids and then um, learn with them and let them learn and all that. So that is one um, regret. And then the second regret is that uh, because we um, relocated to the United States when our oldest son was five years old. So when we uh, relocated to the United States of America, our oldest was five, the next one was two, and then the youngest was um, just about one plus mm-hmm. you know and when we came of course just trying to settle and adjust to a new location and all that we forgot something we forgot the language oh. you know and I'm, i am saying this i am saying this because right now um, um the yoruba language is almost going to extinction thank god that we have people who are non-Nigerians, non-Yorubas that are even pushing for it. And right now, you know, then we just, because in Nigeria, when our children were growing up, you know, everybody speaks English. English yes. Yeah. You all want to be a soul, you know, you, you know, uh, we, we, even in, uh, even in the schools, they will penalize you for speaking, speaking vernacular. Say, vernacular. Yeah. No speaking vernacular, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but children will, of course, because they're in the environment of their native land, they pick it up. So when we switched and we came to the U.S., we did not shift at home to be speaking Yoruba at home. And knowing that my children were in a, an English-speaking environment. So we were just speaking English, speaking English, mm-hmm. until we discovered that my children could not understand Yoruba anymore. Wow. You know? And now they are grown, they are adults, they are getting married, they're having their own kids, and they cannot transfer Yoruba to them because they don't have it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, I mean, that makes me feel so bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they are like, you know, they're trying the best they can, you know, now. And of course, with us being grandparents, you know, when we are with our grandkids, you know, we speak Yoruba, and, you know, but it's not the same if the parents get to know how to speak too you know what i'm saying you know so they cannot even do a fofo they can't do this you know that other people cannot hear with their kids you know like if you can speak yoruba when other people cannot understand you can say yeah and people will know that what you have said you know so and that is something that i'm hoping other young mothers uh younger mothers will learn you know that when they say mother tongue <laughs> it is not a joke mm. what is your child's mother tongue 
is the language that you speak to them. Mm. Please, whether you are Igbo, Yoruba, Hausa, from France or French speaking, outside of whatever official language, there is a mother tongue okay. that helps your child to be distinguished in their culture. Mm. Please raise them with that language. It is one of the most beautiful experience. By the grace of God, we were able to make it right with our fourth son, who was actually born in the United States, you know, but we moved back to Nigeria. And, you know, interestingly, it was during a time because we're in Nigeria and struggling even to speak Yoruba in Nigeria. Can you imagine living in Ogun State? In <laughs> But because everybody was so just speaking English, like, you know, it was when we visited America again and you had to be in a school in America that his teacher said that, you know, you've got to learn how to speak your native language. And my son came home one day and said, mommy, I want to be fluent in Yoruba. I was like, ha, ah. you know, and he was about, and he was about seven or eight years old. And from that day, we switched it, you know, and to the glory of God today, you know, Enoch is 17, he's going to be 18, he can speak Yoruba. Wow. Ah, you know, he can speak Yoruba. Even living in America right now, he's, he's finishing at a high school in Indiana. Mm. When we are talking on the phone, we are talking, we're speaking in Yoruba. Okay. You know, so, and, um, his brothers are like, ah, mommy, <laughs> this is not nice, you know. And I'm <laughs> well, like, well, I'm, I'm sure sorry, going to be... you know, forgive us, oh, you know, oh. we didn't get it right with you all, okay. but at least we have a Yeah. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And I'm sure there's going to be a connection, like, when all of you are together, they'll be like, Enoch is like, okay, mommy, they catch your phone in your band. The guys will be like, Abio, so now to the next question can you share with us some rules of mother in the life of a child and the life of their child or their children like what kind yeah. of roles do you think mothers play in the life yes. of their children Yes, 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 yes. Um, I would, uh, I would uh, <clears throat> start by saying, you know, um, it starts with P. Most of them starts with P. Um, the the role of a provider. Okay, the the mother is the primary provider once the child is born. Mm -hmm. Of course, it takes two to bring forth a child. It takes yeah. a man and a woman, even in this day and age, where there are wonderful scientific ways. For a human being to be, right? For a human being to be, okay. it takes a male and a female. Okay. For a human being to be, right? Yeah. But the primary carrier is the woman, okay? okay? Um, whichever way the sperm or the egg came together, it is women that have wombs that was made for the carrying of the baby. children, okay. the baby. And 
the womb is set up for protect uh, for, for pre- provision of nurturing and nourishment mm. okay so the, the right from conception mothers are providers you know mothers are providers you know providing um nourishment um providing um an environment for the child you know to grow so yeah. that the role of the provider is there and then there's also the role of the protector protector the role of the protector yes so mothers protect if you want to see how that looks just look at the chicken you know um how the chicken would put all the little chicks under their wings you know there's that story we don't know if it actually happened but you know there's a story of a hen uh, a hen a mother hen that was burnt you know in in a fire in a forest fire um and they just saw this mother that was burnt in a forest fire you know mm. chicken like almost roasted alive wow and when they were clearing they just moved the the mother that chicken and out of her wings came little 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 cheeks you know mm. that came out mm. she had used her wings she got all her cheeks under her wings wow so as and took the heat of the fire okay she died in the process wow but she preserved her babies she protected them mm. so mothers are called to be protectors we take the heat on behalf of our kids you know we shield them you know we ensure safety so even like right now in the midst of covid pandemic it is the responsibility of mothers to ensure that their children are safe yeah. you know children don't always know and have a sense of danger that is why their kids as a matter of fact children cannot accurately access assess danger mm. until they are way into their 20s okay that part of their brain does not form completely you know the place of the frontal lobe the place of judgment making rational decisions that is why teenagers and younger people are, are very risk taking you know so it is a mother's role you know to ensure and you know safety so protection um is there so we have the, you know being um the provider you know being the protector and then <clears throat> the um other p <laughs> you know is like the purifier Pur- you know purifier purifier just meaning that for grooming you know grooming and and uh, you know helping their children to be to to be uh, yeah purified you know purified mm-hmm. uh, being clean yeah. of course you know on the outside of course hygiene mm-hmm. and I, eh, what I said say? like setting them apart making them live different like they're kind of there's a way that you know that this person is purified she said that kind of child will look distinct kind of do the, the care that the person eh, well yeah 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 you know exactly but even starting from the the um, very very basic one you know and just using the word 
purifier because I want to extend it both physical and, and, and you know, social. Mm-hmm. Yeah, purifier in the sense that mothers are responsible for bathing their kids. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right? You purify mm-hmm. them. Yeah, you wash yeah. them. <laughs> That's what you know. The Bible says that you are purified. We are washed by the water. Mm-hmm. So mothers are the one that bathe. You know, they bathe their children. Yeah. Of course, we have fathers. You know, but most traditional roles you know is the mother is a one but we do have fathers like my son my first son tim was the one that baked their baby their first mm. son f- for months wow. the mom could not even come near <laughs> the baby you know he was the one you know so but mothers also have that responsibility of purifying grooming you know making sure that their children are neat you know that their hair is done. Yeah. The the boys they have they have their hair very cut, nice. Their clothes are clean, mm-hmm. and you know it doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah. But you know making sure that they are uh, they are doing well. Uh, so and then purifier it also in the other sense of when you notice that there are behaviors that are coming out in your child. Um, it is the mother's responsibility to walk towards purifying that child, working with God for pruning, you know, um, and addressing the behavior. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is where the issue of discipline um, comes in, you. you know? So, yeah. And, um, and then um, the last one that I would say, and I will say it very gently you know, is pampering, you mm. know, it is the, the, the difference between um, purifying and pampering is exactly the same way that the Yorubas we say, okay. the, the right is the one for purifying, you know, for discipline, for removing the dirt and the grooming and all that. The other P for pampering is that mothers we just have that natural ability to soften the cushion, the landing for our children. You know, just it's okay. It is not being uh, 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 spoiling. We need to understand the difference between spoiling over indulgence and giving the child the the softness. Because <laughs> my son, the, my son, he would hug. Hmm. He loves to hug me, but he doesn't like to hug his daddy. And his daddy will say, it's because me, I'm all bone. <laughs> you, you have all the soft cushions, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so naturally, mothers are softer, you know. We have our bodies in a, in a way that is able to just give that softness. So um, pampering comes from us primarily. Okay. You know, and what that means is just being um, gentle and being um, accommodating and just giving that little extra. Mm-hmm. Um, it's once again, we, we probably have to do a separate uh, discussion mm-hmm. on discipline mm-hmm. and balancing okay. between spoiling yeah. and, you know, but when it comes to what a child should just have naturally, give it. Don't be stingy with love. Okay. You know, don't be stingy with 
kindness. Don't be stiff. You know, the Bible says that as a father pities, you know, that word pity is not a pity of like, oh my shame, poor you. It is understanding our nature. So if a child falls down and they bruise their knee, as a mother, before you start spanking them for, didn't you watch where you are going? Didn't you, uh, can, you know, can, can't you do this better? You know, as a mother, at least still carry them, nurture them, you know, in, in you know, from their hurt. And then you can still now take care of whatever um, misbehavior, disobedience, or childishness that may have led to them bruising their knee. But they let your the first response to that child be that of care, mm. kindness, softness, mm. not scolding them in the place of their pain, mm. you know, to make a point. Um, those are some things that leaves, especially when we talk about, you know, there's this video going around about the African mothers, you know, it's so typical. Somehow, you know, we just feel that we have to be harsh. We have to be hard in order to um, uh, um, be, be trained. But let us look at the kind of world that we have raised with that kind of narrative. It's not the best, you know, as African as we have been, let us compare when it comes to development, when it comes to prosperity, when it comes to being our place in the world. Where are we, you know, raising children that way, like we have it now? And many of us will say, hey, look at me, I, I, I grew up right. Hmm. Do we want to really investigate what you mean by you grew up right? Eh? How do you talk to your co-workers? Mm. Like when people want to say something to you, okay, for it here. Because that is what they grew up mm. with. And then you say, hey, that is how I was raised. Who says that I would slap you is the best response to a co-worker? Does that encourage a pleasant work environment? Mm. No, it doesn't. So, so those are the four things. I will just stop there right now. So mothers are providers. Mothers are protectors. Mothers are purifiers. And mothers are pamperers. Okay. Thank you, Ma. So, straight on to the next question. Who is a mother? And why do people feel that mothers should be given the bigger trophy when it comes to parenting? Well, I don't um, subscribe to that, really. Um, who is a mother? Yeah. Yes. The mother, yeah, we talked about that. The mother is a person who births and nurtures okay period okay yes, um it is the role that we are biological set up for and um, we are called to be um, by our creator but when it comes to giving awards i would say give the awards whoever is doing the job man do whoever is doing that job give them the award because Sometimes we have fathers who are fantastic mm. nurturers. They may not have birthed, they may not have birthed the child, but when it comes to nurturing in terms of all these things that I said mothers do, being provider, protector, purifier, pamperers, you have fathers that are doing it so well. So 
why do we just say because a person is female therefore they get it automatically whoever does the job mm. let them get it you know if the mother is doing it and if the mother is doing it well then let her get it if the father is then let them if both of them you know and you know and this whole thing is you know when it comes to our world or whatever who is judging you know who is making the determinations you know both parents are very important in the life of a child both both parents both parents even when a mother is breastfeeding and it looks like there is a greater connection between the mother and the child bet me if the father of that child is giving that mother hell of a time it's going to affect how that child is going to grow up so even though the father may not be putting the breast in the mother's in the child's mouth if he is creating or not creating a right environment for the mother to carry out that biological function it affects so that is why both parents are expected it is their responsibility you know and one should not think that they can okay. walk away it takes both yes so so that's what i would say whoever is doing the job let them get the award <laughs> let them get it thank you ma so now my question i think that this is my ninth question can you share some of your beautiful moments as a mother with us can you share some of the beautiful moments you had Well, the beautiful moments go at different um, stages, you know. Um, even just being able to have a child is beautiful, mm. you know. Um, being able to nurture a child and see the the importance, you know. When I was when I was still, my children were babies and i will be breastfeeding them those were moments that is almost i would say so divine you know and i will even during those times because i knew that it was important for me to be connected with god but because of i'm not sleeping enough you know children will be waking up every two hours they are crying they want to eat so dependent i would be tired you know and all that but i saw that it was important for me to stay connected with god so what i would be doing is when i'm breastfeeding with one hand i have my bible wow. with another hand so the baby is breastfeeding and me i'm reading i'm mm. reading my bible and those moments i really love them when i turn back because one here am i not nurturing nourishing you know like the bible says you know like little kids desire the sincere mm-hmm. milk of the word so i'm breastfeeding my baby and i'm also being yeah. breastfed by god you know so those are beautiful times you know and then the times that i'm able to play the times when we play with the children um and just be just on the floor with them um those moments i think about them um you know when you just be silly when you say silly <laughs> you know like um like um if somebody brought something there was one time <laughs> there was one time 
somebody we got something delivered in a big box you know like a box for a fridge or a box for you know mm-hmm. something sha so we just took we took the whole thing out of the box come and see we now turned the box into a house and guess who was inside the house first me and you know the child like mommy come out let us you know me you know me i'm going to be here you know and and just loosening up and having those moments with them if you saw the way we scattered we scattered the house that day we scattered it you know like all those foams that they usually use for packing um things you yeah. know that they will put in there we 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 scattered we, the mess. whole place was was untidy messy we made <laughs> a mess mother and children and when we were done playing oh yeah we all cleared it together <laughs> you know but those were beautiful you know but going fast forwarding you know into into adult years teenage years I had a beautiful moment about 2 weeks ago. Now, you know, we're talking of um my oldest child is 32. He will be 33 mm. this year. And he was telling me how now with his own children, he said, "Guess what, mom and dad? Come and see what I'm using for personal devotion for my children." My son went and brought his journal. This is something that we had trained them. He started journaling his devotion. We insisted that our children will have their private worship time from when they were like my oldest wow. son was 8. And since they yeah, so and they all had their books. They had three questions that they had to read um, to answer like when they read any passage in the Bible you know what is this saying you know um what am i saying to god or something sha i can't even remember all those three questions i might think and put it down you know our son told us on new year's day actually when we had our family zoom get together that because somehow i was able to preserve all those journals i think he may have growing up i think he probably has like maybe wow. seven or eight wow. of those journals yes He was he now he has taken it and his children his oldest son who is 5 was able to see what his daddy was writing when daddy mm. was 8 years old you know and he is now using that as devotion is like so the children are so eager to see daddy what did you draw what did you draw you know and then they'll see it oh was that mm. beautiful i mean i was stunned when i when i saw it and i saw that at the end of the day regardless of the pain regardless of the disappointment regardless of you know the challenges that we had raising our children there were moments when we thought we had lost it we had thought that we we you know we were the worst parents in fact there were some people who thought that we were bad mm. parents really because of how our children were behaving when they were teenagers and um yeah uh and to now see this is like wow so it paid off at the end of the day so that's what i would say yeah. <laughs> beautiful moment yeah. thank <laughs> yeah. you this question i really want to know about it though what's your easiest pregnancy and your most difficult one 
I really want to know. <laughs> you. <laughs> My easiest pregnancy was my last wow. pregnancy with, um, yes, my easiest pregnancy was my last pregnancy with our youngest son um, because it was planned, it was hmm. desired, and it was it was a, a family decision because my last pregnancy, my youngest son was 11. And, you know, we had just, we, we, we had made up our mind that we were done with having kids. So, but um, we desired it again. After 11 years, I, I had a spiritual encounter with God that led to me, you know, wanting mm. to have a baby. And just like we said, when we were going to have a, you know, when we we're going to have a, third, a fourth child, our th- three children were involved in that decision. <laughs> I'm telling you, we told them, uh, yes, we told them, ah, we, you know, mommy and daddy are thinking about this. I mean, I can remember that family worship meeting where we announced to them that we wanted to have a baby. I mean, they were so excited. <laughs> I don't imagine that. So, so everybody was everybody oh. was involved. So it was project <laughs> pregnant, <laughs> project <laughs> pregnant mommy. So I, I mean, I I was so supported. Oh, you know, no. the children, of mm. course, my husband, and you know, one of the one of the reasons why I actually wanted to have that baby again was that I wanted my husband to see one of his children coming into the world because and be you know to be able to see another child because when in our own time you know and i don't know how many hospitals in nigeria allows the father to be there when the baby is actually coming out to actually be there to see the head coming out and you know it didn't happen for our three Mm. older children and I really wanted him. I really wanted him to, 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 to have that experience. Of course, he can't go and be seen yeah. another woman yeah. being born because he's, you know, yeah. he's a pastor. He's not a gynecologist, or you know. So I had we had to make our own baby <laughs> so that he can, you know, he can mm-hmm. have that experience. So um, and for him to have been able, oh my goodness, for him to have been able to experience that. To see his child coming out of the birth canal. I mean, my mm-hmm. husband just cried. He cried, you know, and it is something that I think men, you know, men should experience. Sometimes, as big and braggado <laughs> men are, they cannot stand that level of blood and intensity. But if a man is able to brace himself and see it, it's mm-hmm. a very beautiful experience. So that was my most, you know, and then. The other thing that also made that pregnancy beautiful for me was that I wanted my wow. mother to be there. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> I wanted my mother to be there and God hmm. answered that prayer that my mom could be there because I wanted to thank her. You know, that is this what you went through for me? And now I am going through it 
thank you you know and my mom was there it's you know he she couldn't be there in prison for my other three children so that's why i say that my my um third fourth pregnancy was my most beautiful and um the the third one was the, the third most one. difficult <laughs> Like, I was actually about to, to guess because I don't know, but yeah, really, it was the most difficult. It was the most difficult, and it was all because of my attitude, you know. Um, because initially, my husband and I we had decided that we we're oh. just having two babies, you know. So, yes, so when and when we discovered that I was pregnant. With the third child, ah, hmm. I cannot even go into the details of all the nonsense things that came to my mind. You know, the things that I wanted God to do and all that. But you know, this baby was coming, mm-hmm. <laughs> and was coming to stay. Um, and um, but one of the things, it, even though it was my most difficult pregnancy, I was the most beautiful in my third pregnancy because that was one of the deals that I made with God is like okay God if I'm going to carry this pregnancy all those things that I don't like about pregnancy fat nose people's <laughs> like boils you know dark you know I mean I usually look so ugly but in they, pregnancy I'm but, telling you ugly, sorry ma I, I, I thought they said when you look ugly in pregnancy your baby comes out looking beautiful I thought that was Hey, of course, my voice. Go and see those boys and come and give me a report if they are beautiful or not. <laughs> well, anyway, so, but I didn't like it. You know, I didn't like what I saw in the mirror, you know. So when I got pregnant the third time, I was like, okay, God, make me beautiful. And let me tell you, that was my most beautiful mm. looking pregnancy, such that even when I'm going, people will not know if they are looking at me from the back. Yeah, you're they will not know pregnant. that. I have a tummy in front because my my figure I did not add on unnecessary weight, you know, it was just the weight of the baby. I my skin is darkening, actually lightened up. <laughs> you know, my skin actually lightened up, you know. Um, so you know, and there's nothing you cannot ask God for. It was my most beautiful appearance, but when it comes to the experience, I was I, you know, hmm. I got sick towards the end yes i got sick towards the end you know and um such that even you know like when the baby was born there was crisis you know Mm. we almost lost him um that's the the, you know there was emergency and all of that you know and what that was telling me was that you know usually for my babies the first one the second one of course once i know that i'm pregnant I'm laying my hands over my tummy. I'm blessing my baby. I'm praying for the child, you know. But in this one, instead of me, you know, accepting, receiving my son, I mean, I didn't even know whether it was a boy or a girl. I was, mm. I was rejecting. I didn't, you know. And then when the baby came, and now the baby was another <laughs> boy. It's like, huh? oh, girl, another boy. You know, maybe if it was a girl, it would have been like, eh, hey, okay, it was worth it. <laughs> But that, but that experience of, you know, being sick and my baby also being ill, I had to be in the hospital 
more than normal time because mm. we were observing his heart you know he had a heart murmuring and he was in you know neonatal icu ah i said jesus please i want my child please i want my baby lord please take care of my baby you know it was not his fault you know all those kind of things so that's why i said my attitude was one of those things because at that time i desired i wanted you know and my third son he is so he's like one of these i can't even imagine he has never been to the hospital for any major thing because he's <laughs> just a strong yeah. boy very strong very talented yeah. very gifted you know that. very you know <laughs> people that are people that are people that are listening to this podcast you know now they are knowing the stories behind my great men because my children you know they are making their mm-hmm. own marks in the world mm-hmm. in different ways you know but you know as a mother you know those are so that's mm-hmm. it that's how i'll say so my my third and my fourth they are the the ones yeah, you know the difficult one that, pregnancy uh, yeah and to, uh, to her to hit yeah. the third child is going to be like a year plus i think next week or so because i actually have his day yeah we, on we, sunday we share the same month exactly. but different dates so i always don't forget i always don't forget yeah yeah <laughs> yeah sunday and that one too even that one is a big story the fact that he was born on the 17th wow. of january is a direct is a direct mm. answer to prayer mm. really but you know i, I don't yeah. let us deal with yeah. other so for every <laughs> listener that has that has stood or still listening to me to this point i am so grateful like i am really really grateful it's been a long ride and I appreciate your patience. So my next question, can you tell us some means about motherhood and pregnancy? Like some means about it. I'm sure my listeners want to know. Yeah, means. Means. That is um, things that they yes, say about Yes, yes, about motherhood and pregnancy. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, um about pregnancy, I mean there are lots of mix about that you know i can't even start going all through but you know like one of them is they said a pregnant woman should when a pregnant woman sits down and uh, people should not cross <laughs> their legs because oh, whoever so crosses them, when they are sitting the child <laughs> will look like you know mm-hmm. there is nothing like that <laughs> there is nothing like that um there's also um you know uh, the myth that if a pregnant woman eats a lot of i mean this is so prevalent in our african setting that if a pregnant woman eats a lot of draw soup like a widow or crow and all that the baby will be drooling the baby will be drooling a lot no there is nothing like that so, you know um yeah, I mean, those are the two that come to mind right away. And then when it comes to motherhood, you know, one myth, you know, that I want to debunk is that they say that a, a good child belongs to the father that's and a bad same. child belongs to the mother. That's that is oh. so true, so untrue. That thing 
it is so terrible oh my goodness you know and it is something that has followed women you know when i was working at babcock university in the student support center oh when a child is suspended or is going through behavior come and see how women hmm. are abandoned wow. by and they they are and then they have so much pains like hey what would they say the father will say this you know the people will say this you know that thing is <laughs> a lie it is a lie and i'm shouting it out there you know that it is error big error it takes two people you know to to raise children and a child so if something goes wrong it is not always because mm. the parents got it wrong okay and you know one of the things that i tell my 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 parents then is that who is the best best parents that you can talk to that you can talk about who is the best parents in the universe and they will look up and down look up and down, they, say, <laughs> ah, they don't know they said maybe except god they said except god money exactly it is god god is mm. the most perfect parent did his children did his children uh, uh, make errors? yes no they did did. behave did god give did they give did god give his children rules mm. and regulations did God provide for them? Did he give them the best paradise mm. environment? Yes, mm-hmm. they still made a choice mm-hmm. to go against him. Say God, did he roll, did mm-hmm. he go somewhere and die? No, and no. Kill himself. You know? So, exactly. So that is perfect God, though. Perfect God, though. His children still, you know, made bad decisions. How mm. much us imperfect? And then we want to kill ourselves that, oh, uh, it is, yeah. We have errors, we, but we need to give ourselves grace. And more so, we need to give women even more grace because of that myth that, you know, a bad child belongs to the mother. That's something is something that needs to be eradicated because it gives a lot of emotional pressure, a lot of mental health torture, you know, to women when they are dealing with, you know, an erring child especially. And then when a child does well, oh, it's the dad, you know, graduation yeah. is the child, uh, uh, first job is, the, you know, the mother that fed, what if the mother had fed that child poison, you know, <laughs> when the child was growing up? Or she used her, she used her kebe to smoothly, to just crush the life out mm. of him, you know, and sat on him inside the bed, you know, that sort of thing. So, that is something that i really want us to debunk it takes both you know and women should not mm. be given the bad rap about undesirable outcomes mm. in their children you know and this is not just about um this is not just about mothers or motherhood i just want to say this generally about parenting that the you know perfect parents do not produce hmm. perfect children. Perfect women do not produce perfect children. I got that. Mm-hmm. No. Perfect parents do not produce perfect children because there are no perfect parents. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know. So you just do your best, you know. A child will go through what a hmm. child will go through. You do your best. You will make mistakes. Learn from those mistakes and correct them, you know, but don't take on 
the whole blame and say, oh, it's because of me, you know, or I did my best. Therefore, my children will show up, you know. I mean, I have lived long enough to let you know. I can give examples over examples over examples, you know, over, you know, situations where you would have expected other outcomes, you know. So, yeah. That's that. Let's, let's okay. Thank you there. so much, ma. And to my last question, my very last question: What are the common challenges mothers face, and how best can you help us, or can you tell us to deal with these challenges? Some kind of challenges. It, it, it doesn't have to be like a whole lot of challenges. Just some common challenges that mothers face, and then how best can they deal with it? Okay, I mean, yeah, there are lots of yeah different ones, but <clears throat> maybe what I would, you know, uh, the first one that I would just mm. take is health, and more so because it is very relevant now. Um, when mothers have to deal with a sick child or a child, you know, that came out with, you know, what you call maybe congenital okay. situations, um, maybe with a disability or with an impairment or you know something like that hey it is really really rough on mothers especially if they are the primary mm-hmm. caregivers um there are lots of guilt that happens you know it's like what did i do wrong that's thing you know that is always okay what could i have done better is it something that i was not eating in pregnancy or is it something in my system that went wrong and now this child is coming out with a disability and you know Mm. we have to live with it um that is that is a challenge i'll just name it and put it there you know another challenge that you know mothers go through is in their in, in their a relationship with the father yeah. of their child okay um you know dealing with especially when there are um uh, what do you call it very stressful relationships between the parents that is very very um challenging you know for mothers to be able to balance themselves emotionally dealing with the father of the child and then now dealing with the child and just being a child okay so that is one and then the third one that i would just also mention you know is um you know um, raising and dealing with children that are making choices that are different um from um how the mother has Mm. tried to raise them and they're making decisions that are painful and you are Mm. actually seeing it you know, you are actually seeing the outcome and you need to live through it. You know, you know, can you imagine a mother who has to deal Mm. with the child being in jail, you know, um, and you can't, you can't reach your child because the child is in jail. Uh, that's painful. That is hard. That is hard. So, um, going back to the first one, when it comes to health, you know, um, even if there are choices, you know, because there are some women who would take drugs or alcohol or mm-hmm. do not eat right in pregnancy. And that is why it is very important that women are very, very careful to be healthy, you know, and to be mindful, especially young 
young young mothers because you know if a person is young their own body is just about getting over um development and now they have to raise other kids uh raise another human being it is very important that they pay mm-hmm. attention to their health really it's very very maternal health you know there are many women who die you know in childbirth especially um in africa mm-hmm. you know so please take care of yourself do the best you yeah. can to get help you know um doing uh, you know going to the antenatals and you know speaking out and then if at the end of the day a child is born you know with birth defects or you know uh, some abnormalities yeah. and all that you know um receive you know grace to know that well you have been entrusted with that the, the god you know or however people believe that you have been entrusted with the care of this mm. precious human being that nobody else could have been the one you were chosen you know just like um Mary was chosen to be the mother of Jesus people would think that Mary just had a fun, mm. you know yeah. wonderful time that's young girl that she was a girl you know that young mm. girl had to go through a lot birthing Jesus and then can you imagine seeing your son hanging on the cross battered beating you know spat upon and you can't mm. do anything you can't you mm. can't bring him down the most Mary could do would probably be to kiss his dead mm. body to kiss his corpse you know so when you find yourself in those very you know beyond your control you know receive grace get a lot of support you know look for mothers who are dealing with that you know there are mothers who are dealing with children with down syndrome mothers dealing with children with autism mothers dealing mm. with children with sickle cell mothers dealing you know whatever it is there is a support group out there so draw strength from being amongst other women who are dealing with that you know you don't have to be ashamed because shame and stigma is one of those things mm-hmm. that women deal with yeah. a lot you know uh, you, you don't want people to know that this you know sometimes you'll have women who will be hiding a child yeah, with yeah, defects yeah. in the house you know because no. they don't want people you know and you know we just have some very we have some very very crazy stupid african <laughs> superstitions that you know that has really robbed us you know some people say ah hey, Mary, no more here. ah that's hey, yeah. a, a demon you know or oh, that child is you know something towards the mother was walking outside at night and then a demon jumped inside the stomach and that is why you know all this kind of funny stuff so yeah get a lot of support get the best medical help you can that is available that is that one for health um, situations and then you know for the situation of parental conflict please dear mother wherever you are get help for yourself you need to get help for yourself you need to have somebody who is going to help you to be able to deal with you know those stressful situations if the father of the child is available for the counseling or the therapy fine if they are not you get somebody to help you okay on how to deal with that situation because it is very very important if you are kind to yourself you are emotionally whole and then you are able to take care of your child and then um 
the third one you know is it's my story is that enter to your rest in the, in the sense that your child is a separate hmm. human being from you yeah. you've done the best to raise them but they are a separate okay. human being from you okay so if you've done your best and they are living out their lives and they are living out the consequences hmm. so be it the children of israel they made bad choices and they they had to a journey that should have taken just a couple of days took them wow. 40 years they had to live through it they had to live through it god did not abandon them even in the midst of their their rebellion every day god was still giving them manna every day he was still there as the light every day he was still there as the cloud every day he was protecting them such that even uh, uh, um, they said that they, they, he, he rebuked the snakes the only time that the snake beat them you know was yeah. when they rebelled against yeah. god yeah. and he yeah. allowed it you know so god was there so if your child is in rebellion and you are dealing with that making choices you know hey stay with it still be the mother um let them know that through it all that you love them don't abandon them don't disown them you know um whatever situation that they are going through work okay. through it together you know in in them don't um try to you know sometimes mothers try to abort the process of discipline you know and don't because they don't want the child to go through everything and at the end of the day the child does not learn the lesson mm. that they are supposed to learn so be with them in the disciplinary okay. situation mm. but don't abort it don't abort it you know So and then just trust God just trust God that all things may not be good but all Amen. things will work together Amen. for good. Amen. Thank you so so much. Thank you Dr. Augusta Gitindiolare. Thank you for accepting to do this with me once again. I am so grateful. Now, I have a lot of things in my head about motherhood like a whole lot of things and I'm pretty sure my audience and awesome listeners do too like they got something to take home yeah Yeah, thank you Ma. Thank you for having Hello. Me, for having to come around on this podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, bye. Okay. Bye for now.